0: Acts chapter 10, Um, this chapter, a lot like the chapters here recently, really focus on individuals. And again, I just want to remind us all that, again, it it is sort of mind-boggling that this unbelievable God, the God beyond our comprehension, this infinite God, can still be so caring and interested about each one of us as individuals and i want you to see tonight as we just pass through this chapter the time the effort the energy the patience that god takes with especially two individuals one individual is an individual who is seeking god and how much time Energy, effort, and patience God takes with a man named Cornelius. And then on the other side, you see the exact same thing where God is taking great time, great effort, great energy, great patience in preparing His servant Peter to minister to Cornelius. And it reminds us again how God is willing to go so far to work with us as individuals. And when He wants to bring individuals together to some degree, in some way, He will work on both ends to bring those parties together at just the right time for exactly His purposes. And we see that here tonight. So I want to encourage you as we go through this chapter to, to realize once again that if there's someone out there who is seeking God, that God is going to more than meet them, however open they are to Him. And even we could apply this same principle to us who already know Him. That if you want to know God better at all, if you, if you have any desire at all to know God more, God will more than meet us halfway. And be there to work out every detail so that He can fulfill the desire of our heart to know Him better. And if you and I, like Peter truly want to serve the Lord and we want to be used of God, then God will work with us and be very patient and go through all this time, energy, and effort to prepare us and to bring us to a point where He can use us in even greater ways. That's what we see in this chapter. So notice also then, based on that, we see a lot of preparation in this passage. In fact, I believe that chapter 10 of Acts is the culmination of God having, again, already been working in Cornelius' life and Peter's life for quite a while. But we're just seeing, in chapter 10, sort of the end result of all of this that God has done. And so obviously, in our lives, hopefully we are looking at a a season of our lives where we see God doing work. And obviously, he's putting a lot of time, energy, effort, and patience into working with us. But the thing, too, that we can be encouraged about is that though God is so big and God is so great and he's so infinite, so incomprehensible, yet he comes down, meets each of us individually at our level and is willing to go through a lot of work, if you will, for us. That's who the God of the Bible is. So we see that culmination beginning in chapter 10, verse 1, where it says, Now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was all his household. He did many acts of charity for the people and prayed to God regularly. Yet I want us to note, obviously, something here, and that is that though he was a good person... He still needed Jesus Christ. He still needed saved. He was still searching for something because though he might have been a good, moral person, he still needed the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse him and to forgive him of his sins. And so he was he was showing God, though, that he was seeking, he was desiring. He was going after God. And so again, we have this great example in the Bible where here's a person who wants to know more about God and God is going to make sure that that individual gets more of Him. It is a reminder to us, if you and I have, again, any desire to know God more, to know Him deeper, whatever, God never says no to that kind of desire. God will make sure that we get the people into our lives, the resources into our lives, whatever we need into our lives to do it. And notice something else here. God could have done this without Peter. God could have come to Cornelius himself and left Peter totally out of the picture. But it is again a reminder to us, God wants to use us. That That's part of God's design. So when God is working in our lives, He's going to usually work through other people because He wants to use us and He wants to grow us and show us what He can do through each of us. And so that's again why He's exactly using Peter here. Again, in this passage of Scripture. Something else you'll notice here that He was praying... Cornelius. In fact, he even says that over in verse 30, when he's recounting this whole incident to Peter, he says, I was praying in my house and suddenly a man in shining clothing stood before me. Well, guess what? Peter in verse nine was praying as well when God was speaking to him. When it says he went up to the roof to pray, And I wanted to point that out at this moment because a lot of times even as Christians we go, well, do my prayers really mean anything? Do they do anything? And here again, is God not responding to two people who at that moment are taking time to pray? Absolutely. God is responding to their prayers to Him. And it's primarily though... What God is doing through that response is changing them. You know, a lot of times God might not change the circumstances. But God will change us always through our time with Him in prayer. Prayer is never fruitless. Prayer always has purpose to it. Because God responds when His people pray so we see that here. So, verse 3. Back up. About 3 o'clock one afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, notice, God knows his name. He's not even a Christian yet. He hasn't accepted Christ yet. But God knows who this man is. He intimately knows every detail about his life. We're going to see that even in just a moment. And it's very significant, I think, that the Bible uses the word vision here because it is it is a word that talks about sight and light. And again, it's the idea that Cornelius wanted more light and he was responding to the light that God had already given him. And so God was going to make sure he got more light. That principle's true no matter whether we're a Christian or not. If we're truly seeking, genuinely, sincerely seeking, seeking more light from God, God will make sure we get that light. There's no instance in the Bible where someone is truly wanting to know more about God and God shuts them down and Well, I'm sorry, I... I'm not going to give you any more of me, even though you really want it. There, There's no example of that in Scripture. But there's plenty of examples in Scripture, like this one, where somebody truly wants to know God more, and they're responding to the light that God's already given them, and so he comes along and gives them more light. So, he says, Staring at him, verse 4, and becoming greatly afraid, Cornelius replied, What is it, Lord? The angel said to him, notice, this is amazing, your prayers, multiple prayers, and your acts of charity have gone up as a memorial before God. The angel is reminding Cornelius, again, a man who doesn't even have a personal relationship with God yet, that God has noticed all of the times he's prayed. And sought Him. And noticed all the good deeds and things that He's done. And the word memorial is significant because it's a word that means to be preserved. It sort of reminds us of why we have memorials in our lives and why we even have memorials to the dead. It is to preserve, if you will, their memory and their life. And so the angel is saying, look, Cornelius, here's a great thing. This great God who runs the universe, who created the universe, he has noticed everything you have done. He's heard everything you have said. That's encouraging, folks, because sometimes we think even as a child of God who has a relationship with him. Is my prayers really getting, is God noticing what I'm doing? Does God care about what I'm doing? Does God hear my prayers? He absolutely does. And He actually keeps them preserved in heaven, as He does with everyone's works. Now He says this, Now send men, verse 5, to Joppa, and summon a man named Simon who was called Peter. This man is staying as a guest with a man named Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. Very specific instructions. So when the angel who had spoken to him departed, Cornelius called two of his personal servants, as well as a devout soldier from among them who served him. And when he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. He did exactly what the angel told him he needed to do. And so again, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing a man who's following the instructions of the Lord, and because of that, he's going to be greatly blessed. Another great principle. If we would just follow what God is telling us to do, we will experience great blessing in our life. So now notice, God's not just working on one end, He's working on both ends. Because God's got to work on His servant. And could God have maybe gotten another servant that He wouldn't have had to work with quite as long or as hard as Peter to get Peter to a point where he would be willing to work with a Gentile? As we're going to see, absolutely. But this should encourage us. God meets us all where we are, and God's desire is no matter what He has to break down in our life, what He has to overcome in our life, to, to grow us and to put us in a position where He can use us in a greater way, He is willing as God to do it. Because Peter had a lot to overcome to be willing to minister to a Gentile. Again, going back to the choices, wouldn't it have been more logical, maybe, since now Paul has been called to work with Gentiles? Why not send Paul? Why send Peter, who's going to have this big hang-up about working with Gentiles, as many of the Jewish brothers and sisters did? And not only that, but here's another layer to this story. Not only is this Roman centurion, Cornelius, a Gentile, he's part of the occupying force in Israel. He's an Italian. I mean, that's even worse, you know. I mean, it's one thing for Jews to, you know, obviously have problems with Gentiles. It's another thing that he's a Roman soldier, He's part of the occupying force. And isn't it interesting in the Gospels and and even here in Acts, though, that some of the the people that really stand out by their faith in God were centurions? Remember the story in, in the Gospels where Jesus talks about the centurion this way? He says, I haven't found this great of faith in all of Israel when he talks about the centurion. So I think there were a lot of Roman soldiers and leaders in the Roman army that were saved and became believers In Jesus Christ. Alright, verse 9. About noon the next day, while they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. Notice the timing here of all this. I mean, you and I could have never orchestrated the timing of this to be as perfect as it was. Only God can do stuff like this. He became hungry. He should have been part of the Oasis. And he wanted to eat. But while they were preparing the meal, a trance came over him. The best way, I think, to understand this concept of a trance is that God shut down his mind so that he could totally focus on what God was going to reveal to him. I'll use this as an illustration. Many times we we use these words. I can't go to sleep or whatever because I can't shut my mind off. My mind keeps going. So what God did here was He literally shut down Peter's mind so that he could not be distracted and he could totally focus on what God wanted to reveal to Peter here. So he saw heaven open and an object, something like a large sheet descending before him, coming down to earth with its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles of the earth, wild birds, and then a voice, in a sense, God spoke to him. The word of God said to him, Get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But Peter said, Certainly not, Lord, for I have never eaten anything defiled and ritually unclean. I want you to notice something. And the only reason I, I, I smile here is because I've seen this same inconsistent contradiction in my own life. Notice the inconsistent contradiction that Peter says. Certainly not Lord. That's an inconsistent... If He's truly our Lord, we don't say no to the Lord. See what I'm saying? And yet many times we say, You're my Lord. You call the shots. You decide. You're, you know... And yet, we'll sort of argue with God or tell Him no. That's an inconsistent contradiction. If He's Lord, we never say no to the Lord. All we would say is yes. So Peter says, no, Lord, I I can't do that. The voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has made clean, you must not consider ritually unclean. Then this happened three times. And immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Something else we see here. When God wants his people to get something He will, He will repeat it so that we get it. I try to encourage Christians, look, if you truly want to know what God, what God's will is or what God's desire is or whatever, you're not going to miss it. God is going to make sure that you get it, even if He has to repeat it over and over again. In fact, it will get to the point where you can't turn to the right or turn to the left or turn anywhere without God somehow bringing His message to you so that you and I are getting it over and over and over again. Because sometimes in order to break down things in our life that shouldn't be there or to overcome things like prejudice, which was what was happening here with Peter, obviously God even understands that's not going to happen overnight. That's not going to happen quickly. And so three times he repeats this, having Peter's undivided attention. So verse 17, while Peter was puzzling over what the vision he had seen could signify, in other words, he understood the vision. He didn't understand how to apply it. He didn't necessarily understand the meaning behind it. Like, what do you want me to do with that, God? It's like a piece of information, but not knowing where to sort of fit it in. The men sent by Cornelius had learned where Simon's house was and approached the gate. Again, the timing of God, never early, never late, but impeccable, perfect timing of God. When God is in something, the timing always works out. They called out to ask if Simon, known as Peter, was staying there as a guest. And while Peter was still thinking seriously about the vision, the Spirit says to him, Look, three men are looking for you. But get up, go down, and accompany them without hesitation, because I have sent them. Don't have any doubt or misgivings about what's happening. In fact, the word accompany here means to take the lead. In other words, the voice is telling Peter, Look, you're my disciple, you're my follower. The people that are coming, they don't know me personally yet. So don't be afraid in this crowd to take the lead. You're the one who has the knowledge. You're the one who has the good news. You're the one who has the answer. Don't be afraid to take the lead, even with these strangers, even with these people you don't know. And can I encourage you with that? Sometimes as Christians, we are in a group or a crowd or whatever, and it might be people that we know, it might be people that we don't know. And that voice within us is saying, take the lead. Be willing to be a leader for me. Put yourself out there. And we need to follow because there's a reason why, again, God is calling us to do that at times. And we shouldn't be afraid to step up and take that lead and take that role when God is calling us and asking us to do that. That's exactly what's happening here with Peter. So verse 21, Peter went down to the men and said, here I am, the person you're looking for. Why have you come? What's the cause or reason for your visit? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear a message from you. And by the way, the word here means to learn. In other words, notice they're coming and saying, we want to learn. We're teachable. They're coming with a teachable spirit. They're not coming to Peter saying, you know, we've got something to tell you and teach you. They're coming humbly saying, we know that we need to get some information from you. Here we are. We want to learn. And so you have this beautiful picture here of, again, how both parties are now falling into place where you have these people who are willing to listen, and now you have a man who's starting to be willing to talk. And God's going to bring them both together to make this happen. again, could God have done this all by Himself without any help from Peter or anyone else? Absolutely. But God shows over and over again, that's not how I want to work. I want to work through my people. And so that's why God went through all this effort in Peter's life, even at this point, to bring him to this point. So, the angel said, you know, to summon, hear the message. And so notice, Peter invited them in and entertained them as guests. The gift of hospitality. There it is. And to invite them in to his house was huge. To go into their house, as we're going to see in a minute, was huge. This was... These were barriers and walls and all kinds of things were starting to come down in Peter's heart and in Peter's life, if you will, which leads me to this very also important point here in verse 23, when it says on the next day, Peter got up and set out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. The words got up and set out literally mean to undertake something new. This was new for Peter. Peter was now going to interact with Gentiles on a level he had never done up to this point in his life. He was actually going to... He had actually had Gentiles into his home and then in a few moments we're going to see he goes into the home of a Gentile that he had never done before in his life. God was stretching Peter. God wanted to take Peter... Just like he did when Jesus called Peter out on the water and said, Peter, I want you to come out here. I want to show you, you can walk on the water with my help, obviously. Because even back then, as he was again taking three years, time, energy, effort, patience to work with these men. And then even after he ascended into heaven, is he finished working with these men? No, just like he's not finished with us. He's always putting forth the effort and the time and the patience in our life to work with us so that He can use us in greater ways and so that we can see the God of the universe working through us as His instrument and His channel. So sometimes we need to be willing to undertake something new. We need to let God stretch us. We need to get out of our comfort zones every once in a while. Like again, Peter getting out of the boat or now accompanying them to to Joppa. So the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting anxiously for them. And it even called together his relatives and close friends. This guy's amazing. First of all, let's look at this. He was waiting anxiously. It means that he had such a an expectation, an anticipation of God doing something. He wasn't even a Christian yet, technically. And yet, there was that anticipation and expectation that God was going to do something. Oh, that we as Christians would live with that sense of expectation and anticipation of what God could do and wants to do. And believe it. That was Cornelius. And then, to not just have this wonderful moment for himself and be selfish about it, but to basically go through his town, and get any relative and any friend that would be willing to come to hear about Jesus to his house. Basically, his house just became this great evangelistic place where now Peter was going to come and share Christ with them, and they were all going to get saved. Again, it reminds us the power of personal invitation. I know many of you you know, have talked to people about the Lord and maybe invited them to church. And sometimes it gets discouraging because you can sometimes invite ten people and they all turn you down. But can I just say, just keep doing it? Because sometimes it only takes that one person that you invite. Maybe even over to your house. and, And God begins to open up doors to where down the road that you have... God, you know, has brought you together because He wants to share the gospel with this person. He, he wants you to be the greater light in their life, and so He's going to bring you together. So all the people that maybe have turned you down or said no, but there's going to be that one, just like Cornelius. And notice, Peter didn't have to cram anything down Cornelius' throat. He didn't have to force Cornelius into something that Cornelius didn't want. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had already prepared Cornelius. He was ready. He was expecting. He was anticipating. He was there to hear whatever Peter said. That's a heart that's prepared. And God was going to bring that heart that was prepared along with other hearts that were prepared with now a man whose heart was ready to share with this crowd. So the Bible says this. It says here, He was waiting for them. He had called them together. So when Peter came in, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet and worshipped him. Peter helped him up saying, Stand up. I'm just a mere mortal. Peter then continued talking with him as he went in. Again, that doesn't mean much to us. But in Peter's day, for this Jew... To walk into the home of this Italian soldier, this Gentile, was huge. Walking through that door was like a wall had come down in Peter's heart. That was huge for Peter. And then he found many people gathered together. He said to them, You know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Now again... Folks, this wasn't in the Old Testament law. There was nothing in the Old Testament where God said, oh, you can't ever hang around Gentiles. This was Jewish tradition that had crept in and become equally, if you will, significant to the Word of God. And they were taking even further than the Word of God had taken. You see, God never told his people in the Old Testament, they couldn't associate with Gentiles. I've told you this before, use this as an example. There's a whole book in the Bible, the book of Jonah, where God is telling his prophet, I want you to go to this city, and if they repent, I'll save them all. They were all Gentiles, you see. Look at Rahab in the book of Joshua, way back there, where Rahab the prostitute was saved. He was always open to Gentiles, and his people were supposed to be as well. So this wasn't something new, but again, tradition over the years had sort of crept in, and Jews were saying, oh, we can't associate with Gentiles. So this was huge for Peter. Yet God has shown me, God has taught me, that I should call no person defiled or ritually unclean not only was Cornelius open to being taught and learning and growing, but Peter, the servant of God, needed to be willing to grow and learn and continue to be taught from God as well. And again, let's remember, this is a Peter who walked with Jesus for three years and saw these things, and yet he's still having to grow. He's still having to learn things. He's still having to be taught because we never get to the point where we can't learn anything or be taught something therefore when you sent me verse 29 i came without objection there was no internal contradiction peter says within me i was at peace in doing this now may i ask you why you sent for me cornelius replied four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock in the afternoon, I was praying in my house and suddenly a man in shining clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your acts of charity have been uh, remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa, summon Simon, who is called Peter. This man is staying as a guest at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you at once and you were kind enough to come. I don't know whether you remember this, but Sunday I said that if you come Tuesday... You'll hear God define what a beautiful life is. And here it is. This word kind literally means a beautiful life that is praiseworthy. So notice what Cornelius is saying. He's saying, Peter, you're beautiful to me. Kind is the word that's translated here. But Cornelius is saying, you're beautiful to me. Because you are willing to come and share Jesus with me. It sort of goes along with the message of the Bible. Remember in the book of Romans, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And even in the book of Daniel, it says that those who turn people to righteousness, and in a sense, turn people to God as a light, will shine like the stars forever and ever. There is beauty when we share Jesus and bring Jesus into the lives of others. And that's exactly what Cornelius was saying here. You're beautiful to me. Because you were willing to do this. So then he says, So now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to say to us. Here's what Cornelius is saying. We know that God's going to speak through you. So we are here to listen to you as if it was God Himself speaking to us. That's what Cornelius is saying. We are going to be that attentive we are, going to, we are going to be that focused because we believe that the words you are speaking to us are literally the words of God through you. That's how we should be when we hear the Word of God. It is literally whoever the human instrument is, it is hopefully that we're all ultimately hearing God speak to us. And we're not, in a sense, focusing on whatever the human instrument is but we're hearing the Word of God and we're ready and attentive to hear it. Then Peter started speaking. And basically what Peter does is just recount in a very uh, brief summary the life of Jesus. He talks about how, you know, first of all, he says in verse 34, Now truly I understand, I've come to understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people. That was hard for Peter because as a Jew, the Jews thought that somehow they were the favorites and they had an inside track. And Peter had to learn God doesn't judge by external appearance. God looks at the heart. God isn't swayed by externals or anything like that. God looks inside. God doesn't take into account anything outwardly when God makes decisions. And so Peter finally was getting that principle to guide him through the rest of his ministry. In fact, he says, in every nation, verse 35, the person who fears him and does what is right is welcomed before him. They will be granted access to God to gain more and more light. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John announced with respect to Jesus of Nazareth, that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of these things. He did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and caused him to be seen. Not by all the people, but by us, the witnesses God had already chosen who had eaten and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to warn them that he is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. About him, all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins through his name. So again, Peter's just giving, in a sense, a short synopsis of Jesus and sharing with them Jesus Christ. Notice what happens. And this last part of this chapter is, again, the illustration, the result of, I'm just going to say two people, but obviously there was more involved in this, two people just following the Lord. Notice that when two people follow the Lord and come together in harmony and concert with each other, how the blessing of God falls out. In a sense, what you're seeing here is the result of Cornelius followed what God had told him to do. And Peter willingly and obediently had followed what God had told him to do. Because of that, they came together. And because of that, people were now being saved and the blessing of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was coming. Because it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were greatly astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And this was a confirmation from God that I'm in this. They're mine just as much as you are mine. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was God's confirmation to them. They're getting ready to be baptized to show others their confirmation to others that they are truly Christian. For they heard them speaking, verse 46, in tongues and praising God. By the way, before I wrap this up tonight, verse 46 is a great example that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are consumed by the Holy Spirit, when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, there will always be evidence. There will always be evidence of the filling of the Spirit. Let me give you another basic biblical example of that. That's what we call the fruit of the Spirit even. When the Holy Spirit's in control of our lives people will see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. All the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the filling of the Spirit in our lives. There will always be evidence when the Spirit of God is in control of our lives. No one, then, Peter says, verse 47, can withhold the water for these people to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, Kenny, obviously not so he gave orders to have them baptized in the name of jesus christ then they asked him to stay for several days again a great ending to a great chapter where you have again god the god of the universe caring about individuals cornelius This Gentile, this Italian soldier. And yet the God of the universe noticed and and had kept a record of every prayer, every act of kindness that this soldier had ever done. And because this soldier was willing to respond to the light God had given him, God was going to make sure he got all the light he needed to come into a personal relationship with him. And then there's Peter. Here's a guy that... God so wants to use and wants to use in greater and greater ways. But there's some things that God has to continue to overcome in Peter's life so that he can use him in those greater ways. And Peter was open to that. It took a while. It took a lot of time and patience and effort and energy on God's part. But God's always willing to work with us if we're willing for God to do so. If we truly want God to use us, if we truly want to serve God, Then again, like Peter, God will work with us and bring us to a point where He can use us in greater and greater ways to impact more and more people. And when God's people begin to respond to God in these ways, the blessing of God will fall. And there will be great evidence that the Spirit of God is moving and working. And that things that are happening are not happening on a human level They're happening on a supernatural level. I hope that as you leave tonight, if you hear this message on podcast, that Acts chapter 10 will be an encouragement to you how God loves us as individuals, how God works with us as individuals, and how God wants to work with each one of us and maybe even is already working in our lives to bring us to a greater place with Him. May it be an encouragement to you who may have someone in your life that you so want to see come to Christ, or maybe they're a Christian, but you want to see them just open themselves up to God so that God can use them in greater ways, Acts chapter 10 should be a great encouragement for you. God will not stop working with them to bring them to that point if there's any willingness on their part at all to open up their lives to God. Let's pray. God, we thank You for these chapters, God, in your word that you You give space to, you see the importance and you want us to see the importance as well. And over and over again, God, we are reminded that though you are the God of the universe, bigger and greater than we could ever imagine, God, you care about us, you love us as individuals. And you meet us exactly where we are. And God, all you look for is are we responding to what you're doing in our lives right now? Because if we are, then you'll just continue to bring us down that road further and further and further with you. God, all it takes is a willing heart like we see here tonight in both Cornelius and Peter. May it encourage us, Lord, to both continue to pray and, and have that sense of expectancy and anticipation of what You are doing and what You want to do and people that we dearly love, but maybe haven't come to Christ yet or isn't maybe in the center of Your will for their lives. And may it also encourage us who want to serve You want to be used by You in greater ways, that, God, You'll never stop working with us either. You'll give every bit of time, energy, effort, and attention, Lord, to our lives to bring us into that better place with You. So God, use this chapter, not only tonight, but in the days and weeks and months ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry I ran over tonight, guys. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday.